hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one, let's go. In the absence of awkward dancing off the top, it is quite evident that Kevin Mickey is in for Jesse Rubinoff. And I do want to wish all of our friends a very best and very meaningful Yom Kippur. So for those thinking that this was Bachelor 2 electric boogaloo for Jesse, take it down a notch, okay? That said, welcome back, Mickey. Good to have you in that chair once more. Pleasure to be here once more. Just hoping that I can, maybe by the end of the show, I'll do some sort of stupid dancing. Just try and represent Rubinoff <laughs> right. as best I can. A little tip of the cap to Rubinoff. Yeah, that's right. Some silly dancing. Rubes, good to see you. <laughs> Something, something yeah. dumb like that. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I'm still Tim McAuliffe working on my 129th straight episode, not that I'm counting, and we are on Sportsnet 360 today. And what an episode that we have for you today. Here's how it breaks down. Aujourd'hui, it is day two of three NHL Media Days this week. The kids are in Chicago doing the rounds. So we've been here all day as we were on Monday interviewing NHL superstars for your viewing pleasure, but that's just the start. As you probably know, Jays, Bosox, Yanks all began the day in a virtual tie for the two wildcard spots in the American League. Both Toronto and Boston are idle, which is a stupid fancy pants way of saying that they aren't playing. But over on Sportsnet, right now, the Yankees and O's are getting underway in the finale of their three-game set. So if you are a hardcore baseball fan, I encourage you to take the flip over to Sportsnet. You have my blessing. But, but, if you just want a scoreboard watch and still be edutained by, I don't know, interviews with, say, Thatcher Demko, Zach Hyman, Mark Stone, mixed in with a little CFL talk, including some breaking news on Trevor Harris, then we got you. Right here on Tim and Friends, we got the show for you. So to be clear, we will keep you abreast of the Yankees and the O's. Keep you a thigh if you prefer. <laughs> you get it abreast of thigh. Never mind. <laughs> Might even take some live looks at that Yankees-O's game if it gets interesting. If you ever want to flick over, I'm not offended. And what you were watching behind me was not the game. They're getting prepared for the game. First pitch just after 5 p.m. Eastern time. If you're one, I, I do this all the time, Mickey. Tell me if you're the same. But I will flick to games, and I'm like, is this lot? There's so many replays of games right now. I have no idea sometimes when they're live. This is what we do in the Sportsnet newsroom. We're watching a game. You glance away. You glance back, and you go, oh, home run. You're like, oh, no, that's, that was last <laughs> night. A replay night, that was last yeah. night, yeah. Yeah, oh, so no, never mind, never mind. No, false alarm. It's fine. We're <laughs> right. fine, everybody. So this is live now. I don't know why they're playing right. a five. Does anyone, do you know why they're playing? And this is a tough question, so don't let me throw you in a difficult spot in your third time hosting this show ever. <laughs> <laughs> do you know why they're playing a 5 p.m. start time? In Baltimore? Uh, the Yankees getaway, just to get it away. It is a, a getaway earlier. day, yeah. yeah. It is. A, it's it's kind of weird, though. If it's getaway day, play at 1 p.m. Play at 1 or 4. Yeah. Maybe yeah. there's something going on in Baltimore that they wanted to stay away from, and that's why it's a 5 o'clock. But it is a 5 o'clock start. So have I explained the situation properly? Like We're going to take live look-ins at that game. Mm. As we speak, we will keep our eyes on it. So if you're a scoreboard watcher, but you're not really all that invested, you can stay with us. But if you want to flick over, we're good. 
So we have lots of hockey talk here. We have Blue Jays talk. We right. have CFL talk. Kind of, we're we're kind of counter-programming. So we have everything that you would possibly need mm-hmm. if you want to get into some serious sports talk. If you want to watch a live baseball program, you flip over to the baseball. Right. But if you're just, like, you got to be hardcore to watch the Orioles play. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So all, if, you're, if you just want to kind of peruse and know what the score is, you can stay here. All, all this being said, yeah. you have explained this very well. Okay, good. I think we've, we're all understanding. Very clear. Here, let, me, let me encapsulate it. Okay. Anything that your little heart desires is on Sportsnet today. So let's get going. Biggie, Mickey, Timmy, first things first. First things first. first. Again, beautifully surmised. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but I'm going to take it at we, this point. We all get it. Yeah, uh, right. Like you mentioned, the Blue Jays, Yankees, Red Sox tied atop the AL wildcard standings just over two weeks ago in the regular season. After the Blue Jays, they took the finale against the Rays. That's their sixth straight series win yesterday. Mm-hmm. Both Sox, they beat the Mariners and Extras in Seattle. The Yanks rallied in the ninth to beat the O's 4-3 to maintain that three-way tie. Jason Red Sox, like you said, off, Yanks, O's. I don't know if you've heard. That starts soon on Sportsnet. <laughs> yeah. I see Chris Ellis on the mound right now for the Orioles. First He's pitch. still warming up. Moments away. Moments away from first pitch. One thing that I can tell you right now, I'm having a good time. I'm having fun. Okay, good. Are you having a good time? Are you having fun, Tim? Fun, uh, nerve-wracking, nail-biting. This mm-hmm. is what a pennant race, even though it's not the pennant race, should be like. We should have fun each and every day. And let me be honest, Yankees and Jays have 16 games remaining. Red Sox have 14. Like, this is an over 20-game playoff between three teams for two wildcard positions. Like, I don't know how you could have a better run to the postseason than what Major League Baseball has right now. You've got the powerhouse franchise in the Yankees and the Red Sox in a fight with even the American media has suggested that the Toronto Blue Jays are the next franchise. Team of destiny. Team of destiny and ready to be that powerhouse in the American Mm -hmm. League East. Sports Illustrated, Jeff Passan on ESPN, written extensive articles suggesting that the Jays would be that. And what Major League Baseball now has are these three teams fighting for two playoff spots for basically a three-week period of time. And so now the Jays, the schedule gets interesting here. They needed that run to get them on level ground, but three against Mini, three against Tampa. While the Yankees have one at Baltimore today, Cleveland and Texas are their next two, and the Red Sox get Baltimore and the Mets as their next two. If you're just looking at the next two series in a small little capsule, that would favor the Yankees and the Mm -hmm. Red Sox over the Jays. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. But the thing is, as we've seen with this Blue Jays team, they can go on some runs, and I wouldn't put put it past them this time as well. Another thing to think about, when the Jays were still kind of on the outside, just a thought that they're going to need to go on a run before they did, they said 90 90 wins is that number that they got to hit. In order to hit that 90-win plateau now, all they have to do is go 8-8. Doesn't seem so out of the ordinary. However, you got to imagine that the Red Sox and the Yankees also planning to do better than go 500 the rest of the season. And we got to remember, too, that the Blue Jays have six against the Twins, a little elongated past the mm-hmm. short first schedule that we just talked about. Right. So that's also in the 
camp of the Blue Jays looking good. Okay, so let me ask you this. Yeah. Would you bet me that 90 wins doesn't get you in the playoffs? I would bet you that, yeah. I would say that, let me rephrase. I believe that that is to be true. 90 wins probably won't get you in the playoffs. So we're in agreement on that. I think 91 wins might not get you in the playoffs. It's it's a it's this is uh, this is one heck of a fight here. So now we're changing the, that eight and eight a little bit for the Toronto Blue Jays. Everyone said ninety wins. No, people said ninety one, but I'm that semantics one win. I think it might be ninety two. The way you look at the schedule that's left for all the teams mm-hmm. that are, and I don't know, we'll have this conversation after on whether or not we've given up on the A's and the Mariners a little too easily. Easily, but as I look at this schedule. I think it's going to be 92 wins. I think you're going to get to, you're going to need to get to 92 wins to get into the postseason. So then the Blue Jays have to do their job by defeating the bad teams, and that right. being the Orioles three times and the so that's Twins. That's 10 and six instead of the eight. The Twins eight. six times. 10 and six yeah. sounds better. Twins seven times. So that sounds a little better. Defeating the Twins right. and the and the and the Orioles. You just got to do well uh, against the good teams like the Rays. Right. They got uh, what is it here? Uh, three against Baltimore. Excuse me. Three against Yankees and three against Tampa. So those are your good teams in the mix for the Jays. That's we, six against good teams. Are we discounting the Royals and the or not the Royals, the A's and the Mariners? Yeah. Well, the A's are beating the Royals right now, so I know why you said the Royals. And yep. shout out Sal Perez. Who did you just tell me that you had him in your pool? In my fantasy league, yeah. <laughs> He has been. He's been a monster. Spectacular. Anyways, so uh, Vladdy Triple Crown watch Sal Perez hit his 45th and now has 112, 112. RBIs yeah. on the year. So that's going to make it a little bit tougher for Vladdy to win that Triple Crown. But uh, the A's three and a half back heading into today, beating the Royals and the Mariners four games back. They play each other, so it's going to be tough. For either one of those teams to get in. But I think a lot of people said that about the Jays. So I'm not really willing to write them off. And maybe we have written them off a little too early. But again, it would take like a 9-1 and stretch for one of those teams to climb by. But if they swept each other, and it looks like the A's will be three games back going into tonight's mm-hmm. affairs. If they can hold on to this lead against the Royals, maybe the A's have a shot. But I, I got a feeling we're down to... The three. The three. The three powerhouses. Speaking of that triple crown. Yes. And Sal Perez, 45th in his 112th RBI. Uh, Shohei Otani might not pitch again this season, we're hearing. Could that open the door? I was just thinking this. To Vladimir Guerrero Jr. winning the MVP? Or as we talked about a couple different times, that jam is done. I would say that this is jam done. Even yeah. if he doesn't pitch for the next two weeks of the season, what is that, two starts? He's yeah, still doing things that haven't been done since Babe Ruth. <laughs> and as I've heard many ballplayers remark, what Babe Ruth was doing was against farmers back in the day. Shohei Otani <laughs> is playing against professional ballplayers, mm-hmm. big-time athletes, and he's doing it at a level never seen before. Mm-hmm. This has never happened before. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., incredible season. No one's ever going <laughs> to no say otherwise. However, what Shohei Otani, Shohei Otani has done, it's never been done. Yeah. It's never been done. Yeah. It's got to be him. He's actually doing better than Babe Ruth did. Like, people are saying he's the modern-day Babe Ruth, yeah. but better. And he's doing it against professional ballplayers. Uh, so, uh, I think it's still Shohei Otani. But, hey, 
if Vladdy went on a ridiculous run and ended up with the Triple Crown, he might get a few more votes than he would have gotten going in. Uh, meanwhile, as we wrap up our little look at baseball, I want to update anyone uh, watching or wanting to watch the scoreboard. Mm -hmm. In Baltimore, it is 0-0. Uh, the Yankees have one on and one out in the first inning against Ryan Ellis, who has pitched well since coming over to the Baltimore Orioles. But as you know from yesterday, <laughs> when John Means pitched well against the New York Yankees, mm. uh, it means not a hell of a lot. Right it now. means nothing. I mean, yeah. I, I think that they could bring me in in the ninth inning, and that might be an upgrade over some of their relief pitching that they have right now. Right. Oh, and I'm terrible, by the way. It, <laughs> right. It, it, that would be awesome. Lefty or righty? Righty. Did I call him Ryan Ellis, by the way? Defenseman, National Hockey League. Ryan Ellis would probably be better at pitching, too. Yeah, Chris Ellis. Yeah. Ryan Ellis. Yeah. I do that with Robbie Ray. Ricky Ray. <laughs> Ricky Ray would probably be a good pitcher. You think so? He's, he's got a gun for, he had a gun for an arm. He did have a gun for an arm, without a doubt. Shout out Sacramento State. Absolutely. So now there's, uh, there's two out in this, uh, in this top of the first. Again, that is available on Sportsnet. If you want a scoreboard, more than scoreboard watch, you can flip over, but we will have updates throughout the show on what the Yankees are doing in the virtual tie with the Toronto Blue Jays. We will have updates throughout the entire year coming up of the NHL season. Obviously, mm -hmm. we're the home of hockey here at Sportsnet. All things. The NHL mm -hmm. season is just around the corner. Down to you now. Rookie camps underway in Montreal, Ottawa, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. Well, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they are taking part in a tournament in Traverse City, Michigan. Training camps set to open across the league next week. Now, this is a loaded question, Timmy, but yes. I, gotta, I wanted to ask you, which Canadian team do you think is under the most pressure as we head into this season? That's not a, that's not a loaded question. That is a wonderful question <laughs> because I think that if you polled the electorate in every – if you took the fans of every Canadian team and you asked them that question, all of them would think it was their, their team. team. Yep. The Montreal Canadiens under an – an immense amount of pressure after all of the changes in the offseason and their run to the Stanley Cup final. The Leafs are under more pressure than the Habs. Basically, it feels like Kyle Dubas's job is on the line after he doubled down on his core four or whatever the hell you want to call it. The Oilers are under pressure. The, the only team, I went on Vancouver radio, they were saying the Vancouver Canucks are under pressure. Here's, here's why I think the correct answer is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay. I think that the Pacific Division is going to afford an opportunity to the Calgary Flames and the Vancouver Canucks. When you think about what happened with those California teams last year in the Western Division, they were the bottom three teams in the Western Division. The yeah. Seattle Kraken doesn't look like the second coming of, of the, the, the Las Knights. Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Like, that's not where they're at. So now you've got four teams that are basically at the bottom of the standings from last year, and an, or at least three in an expansion team. So the Calgary Flames and the Vancouver Canucks, I feel like have an opportunity to take the next step given the competition within their division. The Edmonton Oilers, too. But give me a second on the Oilers because okay. i got something to say. Yeah, the Toronto Maple Leafs have to perform. They have to win a series this year or the fan base will reign holy hell on that team. The fan base has already reigned holy hell on that team, and Kyle Dubas came out and said that he believes in the core. I'm telling you right now, if they lose in the first round or don't get to a first round, there are massive changes coming in Leafs land. So I think the Leafs are the right answer to that, but I think the Edmonton Oilers are a very close second. And here's why. 
I was never a part of that Toronto-based media narrative that suggested that Connor McDavid, if they didn't win, was going to bounce. Never a part of it. I had a co-host that brought it up a couple times. I listened to a couple of other people as I punch a microphone (laughs) and almost knock it down but catch it because I got nice hands. I heard a couple of other people who loved the hot takes throwing that out there, and I was never – I listened to it. Mm -hmm. Never a part of that narrative. Very respectful. Until now. Oh. When I heard what Connor McDavid said a couple days ago, I raised a Spockian eyebrow. For those who missed it, here's Connor McDavid saying, for the Edmonton Oilers, the time is now. We have high expectations in here for ourselves, and, um, you know, we've been building something here for the last couple of years, and, um, you know, it's time to put it all together. I'm 24 years old, you know, Nursey and, and, and Dry are, you know, 25, 26 years old, Nuge, you know, 28. So, you know, the, the, the old excuse that you know, we're young guys is, is no longer. So, um, you know, for us as a group, I think uh, um, the time is now. Does that not take away all the excuses from the Edmonton Oilers? I would say that that statement from Connor McDavid is a statement that a leader makes when he is confident that his squad will respond to those remarks. He's not going in and throwing anybody under the bus just by saying, it's time. And then he had his teammates saying, what'd he say? His teammates are saying, he's right. It is time. His teammates are confident that Connor McDavid has said the right thing and that they can respond to those comments. So McDavid's not throwing anybody under the bus at those comments. I will say that. the time is now for the Oilers, though. He's but, absolutely right. But if they don't perform, what happens? Like he's, What I'm saying is he's taken the excuses out of that franchise. Mm-hmm. There have been coach excuses. There have been management excuses. There have been why no goaltending excuses. Like The time is now, to me, takes away all excuses. If they don't perform this, I understand what you're trying to say. I understand. I might even agree with what you're saying. Connor McDavid was a leader saying, we got to get going. And we're looking in the room to get it going. But if they don't get it going, what happens in Edmonton? And that, to me, is the ultimate question. Because I don't know how much better they are than they were a year ago. This is a very similar conversation, again, let's circle back to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Because everything revolves around Toronto sports, don't you know? (laughs) After the Leafs lost to the Habs in the playoffs this past season, people said, what do you do now? What do you do with this core? It seemed like they were ready to take that next step. Zero. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened. Similar situation with the Oilers now. And to put it plainly, I have no hot take as to what will happen. I think that you could say, McDavid, traded. Gone. He's gone. He's out of here. I don't know. What did the Oilers do? if it doesn't come to fruition this season, if they don't make a push, at least. Or, or you can ask this. I just think it, it becomes a cauldron. I think it becomes very hot, very toxic, and those situations are when superstars want to leave. If they can't take another step this year, they're going to have to do something drastic. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's when Connor McDavid says, love, peace, and hair grease, I want out, trade me, right? He, he turns into the goalie in slap shot, <laughs> calls up the owner and says, trade me, right, bleeping now. I'm just saying it becomes a cauldron. And when it becomes a cauldron, things happen. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be newsworthy 
all season long. Everything to do with the Canadian teams. <laughs> with every Canadian market. Every, every Canadian yeah. market. The one I would say that's not close is Winnipeg. But even then, you could see the pressure ratcheting up quick in Winnipeg. A lot of newsworthy items also with Elliot Freeman and Jeff Merrick yeah. recently as they caught up with NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly today for an upcoming episode of 31, perhaps soon to be 32 Thoughts podcast. Daly, he said that he expects a salary cap to increase by $1 million for next wow, season. Wow, whole million, yeah. And he gave an update on vaccination rates and expectations for Canadian arenas this season. We do expect the, by the start of the regular season, the opening day of the regular season, that the number of, of NHL players who aren't fully vaccinated will be a very low number, um, you know, less than 15, um, maybe even less than 10. So, uh, you know, we're a very high subscription rate on, on vaccination in the NHL community. I think we're about 98, 99 percent, which uh, we're, we're pleased about. We understand there'll be reduced capacity in Vancouver. Um, there'll be reduced capacity in Quebec to start off the season. Uh, we don't know where we are going to be in Ontario yet. Uh, Ottawa and Toronto are both hoping uh, for more guidance on that in the coming days and weeks. Um, and in Alberta, there won't be any capacity restrictions. Uh, and Manitoba, no capacity restrictions. Mm. I don't know if you checked the news in the last little while. I don't know about Alberta uh, yeah. and whether Winnipeg might, uh, or at least Manitoba might not change the tune, but Alberta is in some trouble right now. And uh, hopefully they get out of it really quickly. Uh, but I, I would say the $1 million cap, that doesn't alleviate any pressure on anybody, does it? It very much reminds me of the Austin Powers where yeah. he said... You owe me one million dollars, and they all laugh. <laughs> it's like one million dollars isn't exactly a lot of money. <laughs> that's ex- that's it. in this league right now. I mean, I guess Kyle Dubas will be happy with one million extra. There's a lot of teams. He's going fleecer. Can I have some more? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you, sir. Can I have some more? Uh, Daly also said that a report on the investigation into Sharks forward Evander Kane is expected to come before the opening of training camps after. Kane's estranged wife claimed that he bet on his own games in the National Hockey League. So Kane today addressed those allegations in an interview with ESPN's Linda Cohn. Have you ever bet on an NHL game? Not at all. Have you ever bet on any one of your own games? Never. Have you ever intentionally tried to lose a game? No. <laughs> Have you ever altered the way you played? because of a bet you or anyone else perhaps made? Not at all. I've gambled before. I think that's well documented. It was a big part of my life um, for quite a number of years. It's something that uh, I would say I definitely had a problem with. I'm in a white sport. I'm a black player. I have a big personality um, that maybe sometimes rubs people the wrong way, but it's not meant to. When it comes to what people don't know, I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of the issues I've had or the allegations that have been made about me are just completely not true. I'm not looking for um, people to feel sorry for me. That's the last thing I need. Um, I'm not looking for people to feel bad for me. I'm just asking to be treated fairly and judged accordingly. Now, there's a lot there, and I'm not going to get into what seems like a really messy divorce that he's going through right now. 
uh, with one kid already there and one kid on the way. I'm not going to get into the perils of uh, compulsive gambling, but there are many perils of compulsive gambling. I'll just simply say this. If he bet on the NHL, he's out of the league. No question. Right. Absolutely. Uh, switching gears a little bit, though, let's head over to some sports taking place this evening. Week two in the NFL kicks off tonight with the Giants taking on the Washington football team on Thursday Night Football. Saquon Barkley, he's questionable after making his return from a torn ACL last week. He had 10 carries for 26 yards in a loss to the Broncos. Mm-hmm. On the other side, Taylor Heineke, he's starting at quarterback for Washington. Ryan Fitzpatrick, whoa, 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 Fitzmagic. Yeah, he was lost to a hip injury. You know... Better believe he's not playing. Uh, he's out because of a hip injury suffered last week against the Chargers. The Eagles, by the way, they were the only NFC East team to win in week one. Timmy, the NFC East, affectionately known to many as the NFC Least, who is the favorite in said division? Dallas Cowboys. Uh, okay. Dallas Cowboys. Listen, I-, I know that there are those in Philadelphia who like what they saw in week one. I don't think they're there yet. The New York Giants aren't there yet. And unless uh, Mr. Heineke shows me something that I haven't seen yet from him, there's no doubt that the Dallas Cowboys should walk away with this division. Now, we've said that before. Yep. Yep. (laughs) We have said that before about this very team. And things happen, especially in football, things happen. But this is on a platter right now for the Dallas Cowboys. And if they can't take this, you might as well blow it up. If you, if you can't walk through the door that has been open for you in the NFC East this year, you might as well blow it up. And I all due respect to a very good defense in Washington, probably in Philadelphia, though they need to play someone real and we're not going to do this overreaction Monday thing where we judge from one game and say that they're the world beaters that we saw in week one. Um, this is the Dallas Cowboys division to lose. And I will say uh, two, two things. The Washington football team defense, like you said, very, very, very good. Very good. That yeah. front four, front seven, outstanding. So if they, they're going to have to perform above expectations. I will say, though, that Taylor Heineke, he did show something last year uh, late in the playoffs against Tampa Bay. He looked, you know, okay. they, they looked, they looked good against yeah. the Bucs. So it why was, was Ryan Fitzpatrick starting? That is probably because <laughs> they trust him more. Now, I, let's, see where, let's see where he takes them. Now, yeah. As for the Cowboys, it's got to be if they're if they're doing anything, it's got to be Dak. Dak is he's he's such a good football player. He's so good, and the receiving threats that they have. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, this looks like it's the Cowboys' division to lose. Yeah. And they better get Zeke going. Like I know what you're saying about Dak. I love Dak. He's a good football player. And he's going to need to do a lot. But for that team to be successful this year, Zeke has got to eat. And I'm not talking about Campbell's soup. I'm talking about although that would be delicious. Let's go play. Yeah, why not? Who doesn't like some Campbell's soup? Do they advertise with us? No. Still to come, tons of hockey as we talk to Mark Stone, Zach Hyman, Thatcher Demko. Media day in the NHL, plus a big blow for the Elks as Trevor Harris hits the IR. Justin Dunk will join us to discuss the CFL, plus we'll keep an eye on the Yankees game, which right now is 0-0 still. Thatcher Demko is up next. Tim and Friends continues on this Thursday. See 0-0. Sanchez belts one to center. Mullins at the wall. And he got it. Are you kidding? No way. Deep. No way. Go. He 
He's a machine. I am a machine. Number 45 for Salvador Perez. The ball goes into the crowd. Little girl dives for it, but a young man uh, had already reached out and grabbed it. She was not happy about it, but look at this. He gave her the baseball. What a good dude. Now that's people helping people. Tom. Sure is. With the jabroni beaten. Oh, pie eaten. Not afraid to sweat. Not afraid to bleed. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Told you we'd be keeping an eye on the Yankees and the Orioles today. This is Joey Gallo in the top of the second, opening the scoring with the thing that Joey Gallo does. Well, there's two things. He strikes out or he hits solo home runs. This was a solo home run, and because of it, the New York Yankees currently lead 1-0 over the Orioles. You can see that right now on Sportsnet. If you were with us on Monday, you saw our conversations with Austin Matthews and Darnell Nurse from the Canadian NHL Media Day in Toronto. I also told you about how those can be a little bit like a human car wash with players cycling through various media outlets, podcasts, promos, and the like. And to be honest, it can get tiring for the dudes involved. But we like to think that we can get a little something different out of the players, though we'll let you be the judge. You may notice in this next interview with Thatcher Demko, I'm wearing different clothes. Don't be alarmed. It was a different day. I change. We talked to him on Monday and bringing it to you now through the magic of television. Here is Canucks keeper Thatcher Demko. Thatcher Demko is some story. Once he got on the ice, he became a completely different guy. Mentally dialed in. The bigger the game, the better he plays. What a save by Demko. Stack the pads to stop McCann. And somehow Demko, a brilliant save. Are you kidding me? That is unbelievable. Oh, back-to-back beauties from Thatcher Demko. Thatcher Demko has the firewall up. Thatcher Demko having another one of those nights. Thatcher Demko is definitely on a roll. It's been the Thatcher Demko show so far tonight. We are now joined by the Canucks goaltender, Thatcher Demko. Thatcher, thanks so much for doing this with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I know it's been a bit of a wild ride since he got into the league, given the last, I don't know, 18 months or so in the world. But does it feel like the season just ended, or are you already kind of raring to go again? Or maybe a little bit of both? Yeah, I, I'm ready to go. You know, it's, uh, it was tough not making the playoffs last year, so a little bit of a longer summer for us. And, you know, it took some time to reflect and uh, took the time to get the body right and, and get a little bit of strength behind me. and. Uh, just make sure I'm ready for camp. So I think all the guys are, are ready to get going here. I, I know you personally got the contract settled in March, but how big was it for you to know that, that um, you'd be a big part of, of this team moving forward? Yeah, it was a, a huge honor to get that done. You know, I, I wasn't thinking about it too much during the season last year, and uh, during our six-day break, it kind of you know came to fruition. So. Um, you know, really happy to get it done and get it out of the way so I could focus on the rest of the year and uh, gave me some peace of mind this summer and, and a lot of motivation to come back into camp and, you know, prove that uh, it was a good deal for, for everyone involved. And, um, you know, I, I'm really excited to, to get to work here. All right, let's talk about that season. From the outside looking in, this feels like a big year for you and a pretty young team. Do you guys feel like you're ready to take that next step? Yeah, I do. You know, I think, uh, you know, we made the playoffs two years ago and, 
you know, had a decent run there in the bubble. And, um, you know, I think we want to prove to everyone that last year was a one-off and uh, get back into the playoffs this year. You know, we have a, a little bit of a chip on our shoulder, you know, coming out of last year. Obviously, it was a disappointing year for our group, and uh, we just want to come back this year and, and prove to people that we can be a playoff team and that we will be. You have a new partner in crime with Yarrow Halak coming in. Like, how much do you know about him? How much have you guys got in contact? Like, how does a relationship like that work and grow? Yeah, I mean, I uh, kind of went through a similar situation with uh, Braden Holpe last yeah. year, and um, he was an awesome goalie partner. You know, I learned a ton from him uh, on and off the ice. He was just a great guy for me to look up to. And, uh, you know, this year with Halak uh, coming in, uh, I was able to, to get his phone number and text him. Um, you know, a handful of weeks ago, and then he actually got into town back in Vancouver um, last week. So I, I met him, and uh, we've been in the gym together a little bit, just chatting, getting to know each other. And uh, I think when I get back to Van here, uh, we'll be on the ice together and, and skating with our goalie coach, Ian Clark. So I think that uh, relationship will kind of start to formulate itself over the next couple of weeks. Nice. Uh, speaking of a contract, a lot of folks in Vancouver obviously wondering about Elias Pettersson's future. And I'm not going to ask you about his negotiations, so don't worry. But have you reached out to him? Like, do you guys make sure that he's still in the WhatsApp conversation? Like, how do you, how do you bridge the gap when a guy's in a spot like this? Um, you know, at the end of the day, we're friends. Um, you know, the business side of things will kind of take care of itself. You know, it's a situation where that's just kind of what comes with the territory, you know, and, um, you know, whatever's going on, that's between him and the team. And, um, you know, I think the, the whole hockey world, all their eyes are on, on him right now, so I don't think he needs me texting him, checking in too, and um, adding an extra pair. So, you know, whenever he, he decides to reach out or, you know, if they get the deal done, done and he comes to camp, you know, everyone will be excited to see him and, and get to work. I know you guys got to deal with jackasses like me asking about it. How do you avoid it becoming a distraction? Um, I mean, my job stays the same. You know, it's, yeah. uh, you know, I, I still got to do the same thing when I come into camp. I got to compete and, and make sure that I'm in, in the right spot heading into the season and, um, you know, taking care of my job. So uh, if I start worrying about something else like that, you know, it might take away from, from what I got to do. Very good answer. I know the North was some fun for the fans, uh, the trash talk between the fans, but the schedule obviously uh, pretty hectic at times. Are you glad to be back in the Pacific for this year? Like, is, is that a good thing for you guys? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's uh, last year, it, you know, it was a, a little bit of a weird year just playing the same teams over and over. And, um, you know, I think being able to travel this year and, you know, for me, I'm from San Diego, so, yeah. um, you know, being able to go back to Anaheim and L.A. and maybe see some family sprinkled in will be awesome, you know, having not seen them um, during the hockey season last year. So uh, I think some travel will keep things a little bit more fresh for us as a group and, you know, add a little bit more excitement. Yeah, you forget about that, right? Like team bonding happens a lot on road trips and over the pandemic, yeah. that's been tough. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, as far as the league protocol went, we weren't supposed to technically go out to dinner and, you know, go to each other's rooms to hang out or you know they had certain protocols that were put in place on the plane as well so uh, it just felt like a weird year last year I think all around and um, you know getting back into a little bit of normalcy this year will be awesome. All right speaking of that I don't know how many will be allowed in and I guess it depends on where you're playing but will it be nice to get some fans back in for the games? Yeah it's going to be uh, a weird weird feeling I think the first couple just getting their feet back under us with the uh, some bodies in the stands but um yeah it'll be awesome you know we've been we've been craving that for a long time now you know since the playoffs in the bubble and 
um, just feels a little weird, you know, a little quiet. And I think this year it, it'll definitely add some excitement, give you some adrenaline for those games. Um, you know, especially down the stretch, you know, in the games you're a little tired and, you know, you kind of feed off the crowd a little bit. I think we missed that last year, so this should be awesome. Even as a goalie, like I played out in hockey, but I played keeper in soccer, and I know that got to be a little bit of a different breed, and I wondered if the silence would actually help a goalie in that moment, like having a little bit of time to kind of focus in. Does that help you, or do you feed off a crowd? Um, to be honest, you know, people ask me that all the time, and... Um, you know, once you get into a certain mindset on the ice, I, I find that I don't really notice it one way or another. Right, so, you don't see anything. Um, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, it obviously can dictate kind of the momentum of the game at times and, you know, the ebbs and flows, being on the road, being at home. Um, you know, I think that's going to be the, the biggest key for, you know, the fans coming back. Awesome. Hey, with the announcement the NHLers are going back to the Olympics, more than a few folks have you in the mix for the American team. Is that something that excites you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, an incredible opportunity, um, you know, just to be considered. So, uh, you know, playing for my country is something that I've always taken pride in. You know, I try to go every single time that they ask. Um, you just you, you aren't sure how many times you're going to be able to put that sweater on uh, in your in your career. So uh, the Olympics, it's the biggest stage in the world, you know. So if uh, I get that chance, I definitely won't be passing that up. Uh, my mom's going to be pissed at my manners here. Priorities. Uh, congrats on the engagement this summer. Uh, big news in the Demco <laughs> family. Much. Yeah, that was uh, a little bit stressful at times, you know, trying to make sure everything was on track and, you know, trying to keep a secret. It was tough keeping a secret from, from the old lady. She's, <laughs> she's on top of me. She's kind of sniffed it out a little bit. But, um, yeah, it was a great time, you know, getting the families together and, you know, celebrating, it was, uh, it was a blast. Awesome. Uh, the future miss is also a pretty damn good goalie. Uh, backstop the University of North Dakota for four years. Do you guys ever talk goal? To, like, do you ever get home and she's like, you need to work on your post-play exits. Like, we need to get <laughs> down. Like, how does that work? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of a goalie talk in the right. house. Um, I mean, the... The only, like, big benefit, I think, from that is just, you know, she kind of understands, like, after a bad game, you know, I'm not going to be the most talkative or, you know, I might need to have some alone time and just, you know, be pissed off on my own after a game. But, um, you know, I don't have to explain myself to her in those situations because she's, you know, been through it a few times, uh, you know, growing up playing and then obviously going to play at school. That's awesome. I was thinking the exact same thing, like the, just having the mindset conversation as opposed to the actual ins and outs of the game, having someone understand yeah, right. where you're at. Awesome stuff. Hey, thanks so much for jumping on with us, and best of luck this year. Really appreciate you doing it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, Thatcher Demko. When we come back, we will check in on the Yankees and the Orioles. Plus, after going 2-0 and in week one and beating Mickey's 1-1, and double them up. Here we go. We'll get into our week two NFL picks next on Tim and Friends. Okay, it was only one better. But. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. I am Tim McAuliffe. Kevin Mickey is in for Jesse Rubinoff. And we told you the entire day that we would keep you up to date with the Orioles and the Yankees. We were currently playing on Sportsnet as we speak. Uh, told you that Joey Gallo opened the scoring with a solo bomb in the top of the second. Well, Gio Urshela followed it up by hammering this ball off the wall to score Gary Sanchez. That gives the New York Yankees 
a 2-0 lead, and that's exactly where they stand right now. The Orioles have one on, nobody out in uh, the bottom of the second inning. So they're looking to respond to the Yankees right now, down 2 nothing. You can watch that game on Sportsnet, but we will keep you abreast. That's a very sports term. Mm. We will keep you abreast of all that goes on. It's a very journalistic Absolutely. Term. I liked what you said earlier, though. Keep you a thigh. Yeah, thigh. If you want a thigh, you could do it. You like thighs? I like thighs. Yeah. Boy said. We're talking about chicken, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure. Yeah. So the A's won earlier today. Uh, 7 2 was the final. Uh, They are now three back if we don't eliminate them just yet. Uh, Jason Bosox have the day off. I tried to move on quickly from what I was saying there. (laughs) And make sure that it was just chicken, but we uh, may have stumbled yeah. a little too much to make the dismount work. Anyways, <laughs> good with that? Yeah. All right, uh, awesome. what, what else we got going on today, Timmy? <laughs> you want to move on quickly? Yeah, yeah, uh, Yankees do nothing. That's your uh, latest. We'll get you more on that. Time now for Inside the Lines, brought to you by Sports Interaction, Canada's odds maker. 19 plus, please play responsibly. If you hearken back to last week, Kevin, Mickey, and I both made our picks against the spread. One of us was undefeated, a perfect, if you will, 2 0. The other one went 50%. Not bad. Pay the juice, you end up a loser. But wait, who's keeping track? Oh, right, we are the entire year. Kevin Mickey in for Jesse Rubinoff. I guess that means that I have the uh, I have the honors today, Mr. Mickey. Is that true? Please. You go. want me to go first? You want to go first? Or go, is, yeah, all go right. ahead. All right, thank you. I hit the long drive. I carted a little lower. Uh, Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, I will take one of the picks that cost Mr. Oh, the only pick that cost Mr. Mickey last week. I have a pissed off Buffalo Bills team mushed by the Mickey pick last week minus three and a half at Miami and I'm also taking on the road two road favorites which goes against a lot of my ideas when it comes to gambling Chiefs minus four at Baltimore but I think the Ravens might be in some trouble here with all of their injuries at running back. So those are my two picks Bills Chiefs. Well, those are certainly two picks, and you've certainly made it known that you have bested me in week one. But let me tell you something. This is facts. Yep, go ahead. Man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. One and one last week, but Timmy, you have hit your peak. With the jabroni beaten, oh, pie eaten, not afraid to sweat, not afraid to bleed, gonna beat that bald-headed Garandam team. If you smell what Kevin Mickey is cooking, he said going to beat that bald-headed bleep. Yeah. Guaranteed. And that, good sir, is what I'm doing. In fact, I'm going to call it my shoe-in of the week. Two picks, in fact. There they are. It's my shoe-in of the week. Oh, it's a pretty big shoe. Uh, and actually, one of the shoe-ins, Timmy, is actually also what maybe your shoe-in. I also didn't want to pick two favorites on the road, but that is what I have gone and done. The Chiefs minus four. Uh, what were the Ravens doing last week? I'm not 100% certain what they were doing. The rare cover zero defense in overtime. Uh, the Rams minus three in India. I really like that pick. Uh, Sean McVay, he kind of, he has this Ferrari or he's had a Ferrari for the last few years with his offense. 
and he's had Jared Goff as his driver. I'm not sure if Jared Goff has his license. So now he got Michael Schumacher in the form of Matt Stafford, okay. and he's given him the keys. He said, you go okay. ahead. And the first thing that happened, he said, okay, and he unleashed this 50-yard bomb. What was it, the first or second play of the game? Yep. And that's Sunday nighter. Second. So I really like this Rams offense this year. I think that they're going to be really good. The Colts are missing a lot of key players on defense. A couple mm-hmm. players questionable right now for Sunday, but – uh, I really like that offense. So Rams minus three, and that is guaranteed. Also, my shoe in of the week. It's a pretty big shoe. Or what? Like, I love that you brought the rock. <laughs> I love that you brought the pretty big shoe. Next, it's going to be a really big lock. <laughs> you do that after your picks come in. You don't do that before. It hasn't come through, my friend. Where you are right now in the standings is second place, my friend. Second place. So why don't you wait before you come waltzing on into this studio and start dropping (laughs) big shoes on the desk, Mr. Mickey. That's a pretty big shoe. And wait for a win, although I think you got one because we have the same pick. So, so we're basically one's, down to one. Good. So it's just it's yeah, one like, on what one. Are, what are you? What it's are you time doing for you to here? go one on one <laughs> with the great one. Right. You're... And here's the thing: I was actually looking at my schedule recently, and uh, from what I'm seeing, I'm not scheduled to be in next week, so I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to have to face so any sort of consequences. Are, you are <laughs> bouncing in a hurry. By the way, I'm glad I'm wearing the slip-ons today. Otherwise, that would have been really hard to pull off my shoe and put it on the I, desk. I, I was getting ready to take off my shoe, but I don't think that I could. So I'm glad that you did. Right. Thank you for exi- Thank you for bringing a prop for the I, show and tell. I love how like you didn't have the balls to come out here and say that I was a bald man with a swear word at the end. <laughs> you needed the rock to do it for you. By the way, uh, speaking of watching the show, we said all along this is going to be an interesting show, an interesting episode mm-hmm. because the Yankees and the O's are on Sportsnet. We'll be watching it with you. And then Johnny wrote into the show. And Johnny tweeted this, this is how you watch. And if this is your basement, Johnny, if it's a bar in your basement, that's very nice. He's got the three screens set up with uh, Uncle Timmy's fat head on the middle screen. Appreciate it, my dude, and enjoy it all. Sports is wonderful right now, especially baseball. After the break, we'll get you caught up on all the afternoon action in the majors, although we don't need to catch Johnny up. He's got it all in his basement right now. Plus, we'll catch up with the Oilers' Zach Hyman. He'll discuss his move to Edmonton, potentially playing with McDavid and Drysaddle, and life as a papa. That conversation with Zach Hyman next right here. Tim and friends, rolling on Sportsnet 360. Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Well, thank you very much, Sheepdogs, back here at Sportsnet 360. Another full hour still to come. My conversations with Zach Hyman and Mark Stone from NHL Media Week in Toronto and Chicago, respectively. Plus, Justin Dunk will pop by to talk a little CFL. But we're not on Sportsnet today because of the Yankees and the Orioles. Jays, Red Sox, and Yankees all started the day 
tied or at least virtually for the two wild card spots in the American League. Only the Yanks in action today. However, let's get you caught up to date on what is transpiring in Baltimore in this the finale of a three game set. We begin in the top of the second when Joey Gallo takes Chris Ellis deep and gone. Solo bomb his fifth home run in the last 11 games. One nothing Yankees. Three batters later, Gio Urshela. He's kooky, he's crazy, he's nutty, not really, just off the wall. <laughs> Anthony Satander can't get to it. Run scores 2-0 Yankees. That's where we stand right now. Top of the third inning. We will give you any updates as they come. Meanwhile, the A's hanging in this race in KC to take on the Royals. Bad news for Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s triple crown watch. Salvador Perez ties him for the major league lead in home runs with his 45th two-run bomb. He now has 112 RBIs, and it's 2-0 Royals. Top three now, 2-1 bases loaded, two out. Jed Laurie ground ball deflects right to Whit Merrifield, who hesitates, then throws the third base. Called safe. That is the Kansas City Royals season in a nutshell. Easy out at first base. Poor decision by an all-star. Next batter, Chad Pinder. Still with two outs, I remind you. Cashes in a pair of runs. A score four in the inning. Part of a 7-2 Oakland victory. So a look at the AL wildcard standings. Board has the A's now three games back of that virtual tie for two. I don't think the A's and the Mariners are still in it. But anything is possible in the immortal words of one Kevin Garnett. Speaking of that... Triple Crown and perhaps an MVP conversation. Shohei Otani is a sore arm and may not pitch again this season. Felt soreness while throwing on Wednesday. I remind you, he has a 9-2 record on a sub-500 team with a 3.36 ERA this season. I know, yeah, 44 home runs. He's uh, a near lock for the AL MVP, but with the Angels out of the playoff race, uh, they don't want to risk anything. So he will sit down. No more pitching for Otani. Would that open the door to Vladdy? Probably. Uh, the Giants trying to fend off the Dodgers in the NL West. Both teams will win 100 games, which is crazy. Well, the second wild card race is tight as well. Cardinals playing as well, currently holding down that second spot. The Reds and Padres close behind. For what it's worth, the Jays. Uh, would be leading the NL East easily. Just saying. Got a good sense you understood. Giants trying to uh, hold on to that lead. I think they're good because it's actually clinched. Uh, Dodgers also clinched because they're 17 games ahead of the Cardinals. Uh, tight race there, as mentioned. A look at it for uh, visual confirmation of what I just said. Big CFL news. Elks quarterback Trevor Harris will miss at least six weeks after being placed on injured reserve with a neck injury. Harris leads the league in passing yards. But the Elks have a 2-3 and three record. Taylor Cornelius next up on the quarterback depth chart. He out of OK State. Plenty more CFL talk coming up with Justin Dunk a little later on in the show. The NHL has announced their Heritage Classic for March 2022. Guess what, kids? Leafs and Sabres are playing outdoors in Hamilton. That's right. 
Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton, home of the Tiger Cats, should be a great atmosphere. Fans of both teams in the area. This will be the league's sixth Heritage Classic and the Leafs' fourth outdoor game, but they have lots of outdoor games. This one's just termed the Heritage Classic. Got it, Gooden, since you understood. Zach Hyman won't be playing in that game because he's traded in the Leafs' blue and white for the Oilers' blue and orange. Hyman cashed in this offseason, not only with a seven-year deal, but presumably trading Marner and Matthews for some guy named McDavid. We caught up with Zach, whom I enjoy as a human being at NHL Media Day in Toronto earlier this week. The Toronto Maple Leaf players talk so much about wanting to play with Zach Hyman, and you could see why. Here's Hyman coming out of the corner. Scores! There's the reward! Two quick moves and just a perfect shot. He's a guy that is the worker beat, doesn't get a lot of the fanfare, but if you think about a guy that, that does the dirty work, Zach Hyman, that guy. Hyman's on the move. Hyman around, shoots, scores! What an individual effort by Hyman, just not being denied. How about the reaction on the bench? As a coach, you know when you put him on any line, he's going to be effective. Virtually every time he's out there, Zach Hyman's having a great game. Zach Hyman going from Toronto to Edmonton. To me, this is like the perfect guy. Is he a five and a half million dollar player? Yes, he earned his money. Believe me, he is a top six fork in the National Hockey League. Joining me now is one of the newest members of the Edmonton Oilers, Zach Hyman. Zach. Thanks for dropping in and doing this. Thanks for having me, Tim. Uh, has that sunk in yet, the Oilers' Zach Hyman? Well, I've been hearing it a lot today, yeah. so I think, uh, I think it has now. I heard you say that there was mutual interest between you and the Oilers. Outside of money, which always helps, what was the lure of Edmonton for you? Yeah, it was, it was huge. I think that for me, from a hockey standpoint, from a hockey fit, um, from a place where I could see uh, a potential to win a Stanley Cup, it was um, the place that I wanted to be. And then, uh, you know, I spoke to my wife, and, and we really wanted to go out and visit the city because I think for us, we, we have a young son, Theo. He's eight months, and we wanted to make sure that it was a, a place that uh, we'd feel comfortable having him grow up. And as soon as we visited, we fell in love with it, and, and it was fantastic. So we really were happy with our choice. Nice. I, I think you've earned your role and the contracts that come with it. But do you feel like you kind of hit the lottery with the teammates going from guys like Marner and Matthews to now McDavid and Dreisaitl at all? Who? I don't, I don't know who this guy is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, obviously, um, you know, I, I've had uh, the fortune of playing with, with those guys and, and, you know, Austin and Mitch are great players, and JT and Willie as well. Um, and to go from a situation like that to Edmonton uh, with Connor and, and Leon and with Nuge and with the other great players that they have there, I think that it's uh, it's going to be a seamless fit, and it was definitely one of the reasons that, uh, that I chose Edmonton. Yeah, those guys are all pretty good. Uh, as Dave Tippett and Ken Holland, like, have they explained your role? Like, I'm assuming that you jump on the left side with McDavid. Is that what you've been told? Is that what you're expecting? Well, we'll see. I, I think, um, you know, I think that I definitely spoke to Tip and, and to Kenny a bunch before I signed and, and kind of envisioning what my role would be like. And, um, you know, I think we're all on the same page. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to get to camp and, and to see where, where, where everything shakes out. And obviously it's a, it's a long year. Uh, we're back to 82 games, which is great. And uh, you end up playing with everybody at the end of the day. So I'm excited to, to get going. 
Makes sense. And this might be a little inside hockey, but I love this ish. Like, I think it's a skill to understand how to play with the highest level players. And moreover, even to think at that level, is that is is what you do thought out or is it a natural product of what you do well? I think, you know, I think it was like a little bit of a learning curve in the beginning of my career, but I think for me what I've found is uh, you really have to just play your game and, and you don't change your game based on uh, who you're playing with. You can adapt and learn and learn tendencies and, and learn uh, what certain players like. Um, but for me, I found the most success in just going out and playing my game and, and thinking, um, you know, where would you know, whoever I'm playing with, where would they want the puck? How can I get them the puck in a certain area? Because I've obviously had the fortune of playing with really elite players who want the puck all the time. Um, and sometimes you can, you know, second guess yourself, but I think you have to be really confident in your abilities and uh, just go out there and play. Uh, I used to go to my old man's skate, and there were some former NHLers out there, including a guy named Norm Allman, who was a Hall of Famer. And my dad finally turned to me and just goes, Give Norm the puck, get to a good spot, and look like, don't play with, give it up quick. Like, is when you play with those levels, is there part of you that says, okay, these guys are so good with the puck, I'm going to give it up and then be there for them. Like, is that part of the mind, the mindset? Yeah, no, I think that um, a lot of those, those players demand the puck almost. They go right. to areas where you almost have to give it to them. And, and I think that's, you know, great players. They want the puck at all times, and they'll put themselves in position to get it. And then a lot of the times, you know, for me, it's, you know, play away from the puck. How are you getting to certain areas or how are you getting to – Areas where you can, you know, create second scoring opportunities for those guys, or go to the net and, and get a scoring chance yourself, or go in the corner and, and try to strip somebody and, and win a puck battle and get the puck back. So, um, just you know, how can you get the puck in, in those guys' hands as much as possible? I'm not gonna lie, I scored a bunch of goals in that skate by just leaving my stick on the ice. <laughs> I didn't, Smart I didn't man. move it. Smart man. Yeah, it was like a fire hydrant yeah. out in front. Uh, hey, hey, both the Leafs and Oilers have like this crazy talent, but it. It comes with expectations and nearly immediately, like you've been around the league now for a while. Do you think it's fair, the expectations that are put on teams like the Oilers and the Leafs because of that crazy talent? Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think it's because of the talent, but I also think it's because of the fan bases. And you want to be in a market that has passionate fans and that have people who care. And I think that in Toronto and in Edmonton, uh, in the Canadian market, you have fans who love hockey and who, who just watch hockey all day, play hockey, and, and live for it. So you, you pair that with, with elite talent, and, and those create high expectations. And um, I think that they're definitely warranted. I think that you know both teams want to win a Stanley Cup, and both teams think that they're in a position to do so. So it's going to be it makes for exciting hockey, and it makes for uh, an exciting year. Are you glad it's no longer the North? Um, no, I, I think I mean I like the North. I love playing in Canada. I love playing against Canadian teams, um, and and it was a very unique uh, experience. So uh, if we had to do it all over over again and play in the North, you know I wouldn't be opposed to it. But I'm also happy to be back in in our division uh, and traveling to the states. And um, uh, obviously it's going to be a new, newer division for me. See those California teams more often. Um, so it, it, that'll be fun. Uh, I know you're not looking back, but I also know you got some friends on that Leafs team. D do you feel like as you're leaving that they're close to getting over that hump? No, I, I, I think uh, I think they got great players. They're obviously and and players who I grew up 
uh, in the league with and, and who I uh, obviously formed strong uh, friendships with them. So um, they're in a different conference, so I'm, I'm happy to cheer those guys on. And, uh, you know, I only get to see them twice a year, so uh, maybe we'll meet in the finals. Awesome. Hey, before I let you go, I know you have an eSports team, 11 Gaming, and I just wanted to know if you might be looking for, I don't know, like a like a 45-year-old who just posted a Fortnite dub on his IG stories last week with a whole six eliminations, Zach? That's pretty elite if, uh, <laughs> if I don't say so myself, so maybe I'll... Could this person uh, be Tim? Yeah, I mean, he might be a bald dude with glasses that works on Sportsnet, yes. But <laughs> tell me a little bit about the game. Like, how did you get into that? Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it's a, a little bit longer story, but I got into it in part. I got a younger brother uh, who's like 18 now, and when I started it, he was 14. And um, the way he watched and consumed media was through Netflix, Twitch, and yep. YouTube. So I wanted to go out and, and, and build a, a business around that, and gaming was, was one of the way, main ways that he watched it. So it was just a, a new form of um, consuming media, and uh, I thought it was a cool new industry, and I, obviously I'm, I love gaming growing up. I'm very passionate about it. So what's your game? Like, if you have time, what's your game? Well, I've been on the shelf for a while because I, I said earlier I got an eight-month-old baby, <laughs> so the, the, the gaming, the gaming uh, consoles have, have gone a little dusty, but... Um, before he was born, I was all into uh, Call, of uh, Call of Duty Warzone. That was my game, but I feel like an old man now. I haven't played in like eight months. It's so funny because my, I, was, I wrote down a couple questions. My next one was, as a papa of two myself, how the hell do you find time to write children's <laughs> books, game, do all these things? Uh, homie, welcome to your Carlsberg years because once you have the kids, <laughs> that stuff, gol I, golf is like a mystery to me these days. Like all that stuff yeah. goes out the window. Uh, it's so true. It's, I mean, it's crazy. Like it's, uh, it's a full-time job being a dad, right? And, and uh, I'm lucky I got a, a great wife at home who takes care of him. But when I'm, when I'm home, uh, I, you know, I, I want to spend time with him. So it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty special. All right, we got to finish with how Theo's doing. How's he doing? He's great. He, uh, I went to Edmonton for the week, and he started to like stand up. So I'm like, whoa, what is it? five days, and I missed uh, a big milestone. But uh, they're coming out in, in a little bit, so I'm excited to, to, for them to get out there. Awesome. Uh, thanks for this. Appreciate you dropping by. And as you know, you're welcome anytime, Zach. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. There is Zach Hyman of the Edmonton Oilers. You're getting a good dude out there, Edmonton. When we come back, we'll talk some football, Canadian style. Justin Dunk joins the fray. Could a defensive player win MOP this season? And how do the Elks survive without Trevor Harris? We'll chop it up next. Tim and Friends, Sportsnet 360. Welcome back to Tim and Friends, Tim McAuliffe, Kevin Mickey, and we are just one day away from the start of Week 7 in the Canadian Football League. So let's jump into it. Here to help me break it down from Three Down Nation, CHCH, is Justin Dunk for another round of the segment I think we now call Dink and Dunk. Like, I mean, it was Dinks <laughs> and Dunk, but we lost the Dink, Dunk. So is it just Dink and Dunk? I feel like that's what we're rolling with, my man. I was going to ask you that last week, and I'm like, that's yeah, tough. maybe we're just going with the no-name, looking for a sponsor <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> or looking for another friend. Uh, no, I think we're just dinking down. Where the hell are you, by the way? Like, are you just out, like, playing football or something? <laughs> sort of. Rugby practice. My nephews, I take them every Thursday. You guys are so hard up to talk CFL that I'm coming to you from beautiful 
Victoria Park in Fergus. Oh, nice. Downtown Fergus, Ontario. The rock, the, the, the thriving metropolis known as Fergus, Ontario. Love it. Uh, all right. <laughs> let's start with the news of the day. Trevor Harris out and for a little while. What happened and how much of a shock is it that he's out for this extended period of time? It seems to me, to me, from talking to people around the league, that there was somewhat of a misdiagnosis here because Harris actually practiced for a yeah. couple of days this week, did media availability as well, but the neck injury gets worse, and it's easy to see why it might have happened because he was sacked seven times in that game. So going forward, or at least for this week, Taylor Cornelius, who was with head coach Jamie Elizondo in the XFL, will be the starter. But this is a big blow to an Elks team that has already dealt with a COVID outbreak is behind the eight ball in a big way. All right, so Jake Meyer fit well in Calgary. Um, could Taylor Cornelius out of OK State, and as you mentioned, with a bit of a history with the head coach, uh, make the transition a little bit easier? It's possible, but I see it real difficult, to be honest. Like, he yeah. was with Elizondo in the XFL and is used to playing American ball. Jake yeah. Mayer is an anomaly, I think, my man. You think that's a one-off? I do, really do. Is it just, and listen, I'm not suggesting that the OUA is the CFL, but you were an all-star quarterback in the OUA. Is it just because of the extra man and the size of the field? Like what, we've had Heisman Trophy winners come up here. We've had NFL first-round picks come up here. And, oh, they're going to tear it up. And they can't. They don't do as well as Jake Meyer did or as Chris Strebler did. Uh, what is it about the Canadian game that trips people up? First of all, it is that extra man. And to be quite honest, it's the pace of it. I mean, you well know this from calling the games. That 20-second play clock comes at you fast. And it's not like an NCAA football or even now in the NFL where you get a 40-second play clock and you can have a coach talking to you in your ear telling yeah. you what play to check to. That doesn't happen in the CFL. And then also, I feel like for whatever reason, the guys from the smaller schools, like you mentioned, Jake Mayer or Chris Drebler, they come in humble. They don't think that they're going to take the league by storm. Now, I think that's changing a little bit in terms of the perception of the CFL because Paxton Lynch was humbled when he came in with Saskatchewan and he's continued to be the third stringer there, the former Denver Broncos first-round pick. But it is very difficult for these Americans to come up here because they come up here with a big head. Right. They think they can just run the league and it's not that easy as we've seen over and over and over and over and over. I won't do the Marshawn thing. All right. Uh, let's get the, ban the banjo brawl we will get to. But have we determined that the Bombers – are head and shoulders above the rest in the league? They are, and I feel like when you have the head coach of their rival team and Craig Dickinson coming out and admitting just that, that they're cut above, then the Bombers are. That defense is unbelievable, man, led by Willie Jefferson. So is Willie Jefferson an MOP candidate? Yes, definitely. And people out there are going to raise their hands and say, how can a defensive player be a candidate for MOP? See, man, I checked it after last time it was on. A defensive lineman has never won the CFL MOP award. In a weird year where you come back and you got the COVID restrictions, Willie Jefferson is the player in the league right now. He's playing better than anybody else. Yes, Zach Laros has been very good for the Bombers, but Willie J makes that team go, especially on defense, and he brings the fire and the energy too. Solomon Elamimian, the last defensive player to win MOP in the CFL? The only main one to do it, my man, you know. Uh, all right, so so let me ask you, what's the aftermath of this banjo brawl? I mean, there are a lot of Rough Rider fans that felt like there should have been uh, a, a couple things that happened to, I don't know, maybe say Andrew Harris or beyond. <laughs> yes, right. They wanted to see Andrew Harris booted in that game. Now, 
Harris has subsequently been fined, but to be quite honest, it's going to be a slap on the wrist, even in CFL terms for that fine, because the Riders fans are more upset. You know, I was going to say pissed off. I hope I can say that, but that Harris didn't get kicked out of the game because that's what affects the West division standings, potentially who hosts the West final. And the Riders are going to need all the help they can get after those back-to-back losses against the Bombers. It's interesting, like, we don't see this very often like this in a game. And the Argos and Ticats had some chirping, had some pushing and shoving. Um, is this just a product of our back-to-backs and our Labor Day and something you got to deal with when you have rivalries like this? Yeah, you got to be used to it, man. There's going to be energies that are flying high, and the fans are going back and forth all week. And Andrew Harris and Willie Jefferson were spitting fire going into Labor Day. They walked the walk and talked the talk and backed it up. They did it in the Banjo Bowl, too. So, of course, the Rough Riders were going to be upset that they were getting shoved around. Man, you got to deal with it. It's part of football. Uh, Chris Jones would love that type of football. He is back in the CFL with the Argos. Are you surprised? Not at all. To be quite honest, it happened a little quicker than I thought. I thought he might at least stay one season at South Pittsburgh High School in Tennessee where he actually went to high school to me. But he lasted a month into the season there. One game they played, three other games were canceled due to COVID protocols. And Jonesy all of a sudden is back in the CFL. Sort of happenstance there because Glenn Young was not going to be the defensive coordinator for the rest of the season due to the vaccination policy that MLS implemented. So it's a perfect situation for Jones to come in there on a defense that is stout, make it better, and make his name hot and on the front minds or front burner, let's say, of guys across the league so we can get a head coaching job again, which that's what he wants. Yeah, that's, that's what you think, right? Like This is a stepping stone to him being a head coach again in the CFL. Yeah, it has to be. And there were some people, Timmy, talking out there like he's going to be a defensive consultant or assistant. Like, let me tell you, Timmy, we know this. When he was in Saskatchewan, he was doing everything, man. That dude isn't coming into your franchise unless he's calling the shots on D and he's going to want more power in the future. Right. Uh, Let's get back to the Riders for a second because uh, A.C. Leonard was suspended for a doping violation. The violation is that he didn't pee in a cup. Do you have any idea why he didn't pee in a cup? I mean, I think we can draw some conclusions here. I'm pretty sure I could pee in a cup for $11,000. That's what he lost in terms of salary. I think a lot of your listeners out there, viewers, would do the same as well. So now he gets an extra game for being upset at the drug testing people that are simply doing their job and following the rules that are laid out strictly. When you get pulled to do a drug test, and I've done one, and yes, it's not been at the pro level, but the university level, They follow you around, man. They make sure there's no funny business going on there, and then you're not peeing out of something that they can't see that's, you know, somebody else's pee. So Leonard is clearly upset because I think, in my opinion, he knows in his mind that if he would have had pee come out of his body, it would have been positive. Uh, that's when you go to the uh, the program. The, I don't know if you grew up in the program <laughs> yeah. like I did, Justin, but there's one in the room. Anyways, it, I think it's quite You're obvious. Yeah, the, the excuse, sometimes I feel like when they give the explanations on the excuse, you might as well just not give one because I don't believe it when it comes. Yeah, you, you couldn't. All right, you, uh, dehydrated, I get it. All right, uh, we've seen a few female coaches in the NFL. Uh, could we see one in the CFL in the near future, Justin? It's got to happen, my man. Amanda Ruler is leading this charge. She is an assistant coach, let's call her right now, with the McMaster Marauders, also doing some strength and conditioning with them. She's working mainly with the running backs and then really learning everything from Stefan Potastic, who's done it as a champion, a Vanya Cup champion at the U Sports level, and also was an offensive coordinator for the Tiger Cats. So Ruler actually tried 
to get in with the riders, but they wouldn't do much more than let her watch practice as a media person. She does a lot of stuff, but Ruler, I think, is very special and is leading this charge here. Don Yee, Tom Brady's agent, ran a football camp in San Diego, I believe it was in July, and brought Ruler down. It was called the Hub Football Camp for free agents that were trying to get opportunities in the NFL. So she's clearly making waves even outside of Canada in football. So I think it's only a matter of time before a CFL team hires her. The Toronto Argonauts had her out at their last game. Michael Pinball Clemens was whining and dining her. So she's going to be in the league in no time. And honestly, Timmy, Mm -hmm. she's qualified. She should already be in the league. Uh, All right. Quit neglecting your nephews. All right. Are these uh, are these the are they the sons of the former uh, OUA linebacker Adam? Like, or is that what we're talking about here? Because if got they got it, Liam and Elliot, man. Yeah. Oh, because they might be doing some damage on that rugby field. Uh, all right, Don. Great catching up with you. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, guys. Stay well out there. Appreciate you having me on from beautiful Fergus. <laughs> there is uh, Justin Dunk joining us uh, from apparently his nephew's rugby practice. Where the news goes, Justin Dunk goes. (laughs) That's right. All right, time for a break. When we come back, we'll catch up with Mark Stone of the Vegas Golden Knights. We reflect on the Knights' loss to the Habs, plus the loss of Marc-Andre Fleury and plenty more as Tim and Friends rolls on. By the way, Yankees still up 2-0 on the Orioles. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Uh, Still keeping an eye on the Yankees and Baltimore Orioles, who are currently uh, still 2-0 for New York. We are uh, in the bottom of the fourth inning. I'm trying to see screens all over the place, but we're in the bottom of the fourth inning. 2-0 Yankees is where we stand. Orioles at the plate. And the reason why we're on Sportsnet 360 is this game is on Sportsnet. If you want to flick, feel free. We're all on the same team. Johnny tweeted in earlier in the show and said, no worries, Timmy. Got you covered. We have the three TV set up in uh, what looks like his bar, which is fantastic. O's, Yankees, Uncle Timmy in the middle, our boy Mac. Two ups. I was going to say one up some, but he two ups some yeah, with the five TV setup in the basement along with what looks like a curl bar. So, Mac, loving it. Loving seeing uh, folks watching Tim and Friends as well as all their games on this uh, Thursday afternoon. All right. After a solid start to his career in Ottawa, Mark Stone has turned into one of the more reliable players in the league in Las Vegas. The captain does a little bit of everything on the ice, and earlier today we caught up with him from NHL Media Day in Chicago. A conversation coming up after this fancy montage of how good he is. One of the best, not only on the Golden Knights, but in the NHL, is certainly Mark Stone. Mark Stone's the smartest player in hockey. There isn't anything he can't do. This guy is as underrated in the National Hockey League that there is. Stone to the net. He scores! How about the move by Mark Stone? What a great set of hands by Mark Stone. Short-handed. Stone scores! It's all Mark Stone. Mark Stone, overtime winner. If you have the puck and you're playing against Mark Stone, there's a pretty good chance he's going to be able to take it from you. He is the ultimate kleptomaniac. Great presence and energy. He's dominant. He's a top 10 player in the National Hockey League. Mark Stone is a superstar. We are now joined by the Vegas Golden Knights, Captain Mark Stone. Mark, thank you so much for jumping on with us here on Media Day. 
No problem. Happy to be here. Uh, I want to talk captaincy. I want to talk last season's run. Uh, maybe the Olympics, but my mom would be pissed if I didn't get my priorities straight. So congratulations on the wedding a couple weeks ago. Oh, thank you so much. It was, uh, feelings I never felt before. Yes, yes. Those days can be very, I mean, did you enjoy, I mean, obviously this is not a normal year. These aren't normal times, but did you, were you able to enjoy the day? That's what everyone kept telling me on my wedding day. Enjoy the day. Yeah, I mean, I had probably the best day of my life. I mean, I had the most fun I've had, uh, you know, in a really long time, especially with uh, uh, the way things are going. So it was, uh, it was great to get um, all my friends and family together and, uh, and celebrate. Awesome. Not, not like I'm creeping. The only reason I know about it is Brady Kachuk's Instagram <laughs> was picked up by the NHL accounts. Boom, it's out there. But it looked like Brady had a good time. Yeah, I know. I think everybody, uh, everyone in the world knew uh, Brady had a good time. <laughs> like the old school quote. <laughs> yeah. Sun's out, guns out for Brady, even though the sun was down by the time those pictures were taken. Listen, I remember watching a video the night sent out about you being named captain of the team, and all the questions were about you, yet all the answers were about the team, which I love and is very hockey, so I won't make that same mistake. But as a guy who was drafted in the sixth round, and is now a captain in the NHL, and we're going to talk about the Olympics, going to all-star games, media day tours. Do you ever allow yourself to kind of think about the moment and how far you've come? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, you know, coming from Winnipeg, uh, you, know, you kind of see uh, guys start to make the NHL, um, and some guys started to become stars in the NHL. Uh, kind of followed uh, Taze's career uh, from when he was when I was 10 years old, going to watch him play Bantam and then up to the NHL. So um, those are the kind of guys that uh, paved the way for, uh, for us to, to, uh, to become players in the NHL. And, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know if this kind of stuff is our, our favorite stuff to do or <laughs> a little nervous, nervous doing this kind of stuff sometimes. But, um, you know, it's very humbling, you know, all the, uh, the stuff that's happened to, to me and, and, and us Winnipeg guys. Nice. I'm going to talk another, about another Winnipeg guy in a flash, but uh, you're amongst friends. No need to be nervous. Uh, what was it like to be named the first captain of the Golden Knights? Um, it was very emotional, uh, very humbling. Um, you know, something I'll never forget. Uh, you know, I have the support from my, my teammates, uh, from management and ownership. Uh, uh, to be named captain was... Uh, uh, it's quite uh, quite an experience, quite a uh, flow of emotions uh, going through my body at, at that moment. Nice. With the NHLers going back to the Olympics, I know there's a lot of excitement around the league. As a guy who has worn that jersey a couple times, Worlds, World Juniors, have you allowed yourself to think about what it would be like at the Olympic level? Yeah, I remember putting it on for the first time uh, at the World Juniors, and uh, you know, I just couldn't believe it. Uh, and then finally got to play a men's Worlds, which was. Uh, uh, you know, starting to play with uh, you know, the NHL players it was uh, obviously an, a, a crazy experience there. And um, just thinking to play in a best-on-best -best tournament would be, um, you know, one of the uh, uh, best things uh, in my lifetime. Um, and obviously, yeah, there's a long road ahead. Uh, you know, team Canada's uh, got the, the deepest team and the best players in the world. And, uh, but if I was to be able to, to make that team, it would be pretty special. Awesome. Uh, we, we here in Canada, Toronto, uh, we heard a, a tad, about a tad of frustration after a playoff loss to the Habs for both Toronto and your hometown of the Peg. What was it like for you guys to get to that point again and then fall short to, to Montreal? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it was awful. <laughs> uh, you know, we had aspirations of, of winning the Stanley Cup. Um, we wanted to, uh, to play the best. And, um, you know, two years in a row, we haven't had our chance at, uh, at going head-to-head uh, -head with Tampa Bay. And, um, you know, that was something that uh, everyone in our locker room wanted to do. Um, so it was disappointing. Uh, obviously, you have to tip your cap to Montreal. They played great. Um, you know, the great goaltending of their defense was, uh, you know, incredible, hard to play against. And, and the forwards stepped up at key times. So uh, obviously, you got to tip your cap. But um, you know, I think for uh, for our organization, uh, the success we've had, uh, nobody's feeling sorry for us. So um, we're going to have to take a step forward if we want to win. Yeah, it's really interesting because Vegas, everyone knows, is a new team. But with that success early on comes the expectations. Does it feel like there is a pressure there to take that next step? Yeah, I mean, there's always pressure. Uh, I mean, we've been to, you know, obviously I wasn't part of the team that went to the Stanley Cup final, but um, since uh, uh, since I've joined the team, and, you know, we've had chances to, uh, to make a run in all three seasons, uh, two conference finals, um, you know, major penalty away from advancing to the second round and a good chance to, to make another run. So, um, you know, there's, there's big expectations, uh, you know, ownership, management, coaching staff, players, we all want to win. Um, so uh, we're always looking to, uh, to tinker and, and try and take that next step. Uh, let's talk a little bit about tinkering, tinkering, and then I'll let you go. And i got to be careful with the word tinkering, otherwise I might end up on YouTube. Um, the team put their faith in, in, Robert Le in Robin Leonard, and you lose a pretty good guy in Marc-Andre Fleury along the way. What is it about Leonard that inspires that confidence in him? Um, yeah, it's always tough losing teammates, um, especially when you have a tight-knit group. So uh, losing uh, the, the flower was, was a tough day for everybody in the organization. But... Um, and it'll always, uh, you know, be one of those days that uh, you remember for, uh, for for all the good things that he did. But um, we have all the confidence in the world in Robin. Um, the things that he's gone through in his life, um, you know, the way he, uh, uh, you know, he's kind of a poster boy for, for the mental health side of, uh, of sp pro sports. Um, the things that he's gone through to, to get to where he is, um, you know, gives me all the confidence in the world in him. I, I played with him when... Uh, we were 20 years old in Binghamton, uh, up through Ottawa, and now we're back together in, in, in Vegas. And, um, you know, he's a big guy. Uh, he's a great goaltender. Uh, he's just as athletic as, as anyone I've seen when in the pipes for, uh, for how big he is. And um, we know that he's going to be battle for us. And, and then we bring in um, Laurent, and uh, he's such a solid backup that we're going to have uh, going, going through the year. Uh, it's, it's been big splash after big splash in Vegas this year. Maybe not as big and, and a little younger, but you guys added Nolan Patrick, another Winnipegger, another former Wheat King. Does that immediately make him a Mark Stone guy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I followed his career after, you know, after I left Brandon. I followed all those guys, um, you know, for five, six years and, until I didn't know anybody. And um, I was pretty excited that we were able to get him. Um, I know the potential that he has uh, you know, I don't think things really worked out for him in, in Philly and I think a change of scenery will be great for him um, there's a lot of guys in our locker room that'll make him feel feel comfortable and, and be able to play and we've added lots of other good pieces that, uh, that really makes our team uh, as deep as we've ever been hey listen I know these media days can feel a little human car washy but we really appreciate you stopping by the Tim and Friends set thank you so much much appreciated there is uh, Mark Stone of the Vegas Golden Knights. Time for one last break. Last call next. Mickey continues to 
try and Wally Pip Jesse. <laughs> last call next. Just do it with your picks, okay? Wally Pip. Time now for last call here on Tim and Friends as I was looking at my computer and got caught off guard by the fact that I'm on national TV. <laughs> Good thing I got Kevin Mickey with me here, though, and he'll take over for last call. Sorry, I was Tim, doing, you're re on. doing research. That's what's... Uh, hey, the Tim you're on would have helped before. <laughs> oh, I just figured yeah. I'd show you that I'm also here. Very good. Research. It's what good broadcasters do. <laughs> Is it? I don't yeah, know. Smart. Yeah. Uh, Timmy, today we're at NHL Media Day in Chicago. Sportsnet's Colby Armstrong. He sat down with Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin. And this photo right here, it's getting uh, quite a bit of attention on the internet right now. Crosby, he said that he's actually rooting for his rival to break Wayne Gretzky's all-time uh -oh. goals record. Uh-oh. Ovi, he signed a five-year extension with the Caps in the offseason. So, he is 164 goals behind Wayne's mark of 894. Does he have a shot at breaking the record? First off, yeah. Crosby going against the future Prime Minister of Canada whenever the hell he wants to be, Wayne Gretzky, <laughs> is unbelievable. And that's what's drawing the attention, although I'm quite all right with it. Um, here's the deal. Five years, he's 36 tomorrow. If you divide 164 by those five years, you get 32.8. The research that I was doing during that commercial break was trying to figure out the last time Ovi scored less than 32 goals. Now, last year in 45 games, he had 24. The last time before that that he scored less than 32 goals was never. That's pretty good goal scoring Yeah, that's, by my standards. That's pretty yeah. good goal scoring. He had 32 in 2010-2011. He had 32 in 48 games in 2012-2013. The numbers suggest that he probably is going to do it. And let's be honest, I mean, 40 years old is maybe you would expect a little bit of a downfall, but if he stays on current pace, mm -hmm. he's going to score over 32 in some of these years. I, I think he might be able to pull it off. And I thought so two years ago in Chicago at Media Day. I talked to him about it, mm -hmm. and Mickey, like, he, had, he wanted nothing to do with Media Day. He just wanted to get the bleep out of there. As soon as I brought up Gretzky's record, his eyes Lights lit up, up. Mm -hmm. like, and he got into the conversation. He really wants this record, and that's what makes me think he's going to do it. He's going to move up the ranks this season. He's only one goal behind Marcel Dion. That's next. <laughs> Little Beaver, nice. And then he's 11 behind Brett Hull. He's next. So you got to think he'll pass at least two this year. Speaking of this year, there will be basketball this year, and the Raps training camp, it opens in less than two weeks. And today, Pascal Siakam was the subject of a feature article it was written by the New York Times. Siakam, he opened up about his struggles last season. He said that even after signing a max contract, he wasn't sure if the Raptors were his team or Kyle Lowry's team. Mm. So, the good folks uh, that work on our Tim and Friends digital accounts, yeah. they decided that they would tweet, the, tweet out the quote that says, I never really felt like I was the guy. And boy, oh boy, Timmy, did we get a lot of responses to that as you yes, can see you can see a lot My of what Siakam said there lit up. it was lit up big time so this is what we tweeted out and then here are a lot of the responses there was a lot of negativity let's start with this shocking JD says nope Kyle says nope 
Billy Internet, Billy Internet says, nope. So we, we asked, do, do you think... Do you think Pascal is ready to be the, the guy, guy? And everyone's just everyone responding with nope. Nope. A lot okay. of nope. However, I will say that there was some positivity. So let's show some positivity. This is from her Instagram account. Do you think that Pascal is ready to be the guy? Dude had one bad playoff series in the bubble, and everyone's slandering him hard. He ain't no Ben Simmons. Spicy P always bounces back. Never understand the hate he gets at all. So there are some fans in the Siakam camp, like this guy, Mick Bucko. To all the haters, Pascal is awesome. Did anyone actually see his stat line last year? Not far off from an all-star campaign while battling COVID and living out of a suitcase. Pay this man some respect. So I'd say that there are a lot of fans who are just not sold on Pascal being that guy. But there are still a lot of fans who are still ready to play that waiting game and say, I'm ready to see where Pascal can take us now that, let's say, Lowry's out of the picture and this looks like it could be his team, Timmy. Right, let's, let's remove the racists from the conversation because apparently there were racists in the conversation mm. in the bubble, and I'm not going to dignify any of those people with any sort of response. Uh, I think that the truth is somewhere in between, but when you get max money, people expect you to be a max player because, frankly, you're matching against max players and you're taking money. So if you're getting max money and you're playing Giannis, you better be Giannis good or no one has time for you. And it's part of the problem in the NBA. Uh, You match up dollar for dollar, and if your dollars on a max contract don't get max value, People are going to hate on you. I think Pascal Siakam is somewhere in between. John wrote in, and this this was an interesting negative one to me. He said, it shouldn't matter. Play as a team. Do what is necessary to win. Max contract or not, you aren't able to win by yourself. Push the ego aside. Your play will dictate if you're the guy or not. You can't just ask for it. That, I think, might be my answer to this question. Do what it takes for the team to win and everyone will be happy. If Pascal can prove that he is the leader that will make this team win, then you're right. Everyone's going to be Trey, Trey happy. No one cares if he's averaging 18 or 24 if the team is winning. Mm -hmm. And that's the key. Kyle Lowry wasn't averaging mind-blowing stats, but he he was was the ultimate winner. He was the bulldog on the court. That's why everyone respected him so much. Uh, Respectable football matchup tonight? I'm not so sure. It's an NFC East battle on Thursday Night Football as the Giants visit Washington. The Giants quarterback, Daniel Jones, he's 4-0 in his career against Washington. That's good. But he's 0-5 all-time in (laughs) primetime. That's bad. One of those losses includes his infamous trip and fall after an 80-yard run in Week 7 against the Eagles last season. Truly, truly hilarious. So, Danny Dimes, 4-0 against Washington, 0-5 in primetime. Something has got to give, as they say in sports so often. And what will it be, Tim? If he he loses one more, he'll tie the record of all-time losses in primetime at 6. Archie Manning, Rick Meyer, Trent Green, and I think there's one more in that mix. I'll figure out who that is later. But this is... Danny Dimes, because he plays in New York, was put under this ridiculous microscope to start his career, saying, this isn't the guy, why did you waste this pick? And then all of a sudden he turned it around for like 10 games, not even 10 games, and everyone was like, oh, he's great, he's amazing. (laughs) It's like the ultimate knee-jerk career, and it only happens in media markets like New York. 
the guy is okay. Like, to go on that 70-yard run takes some talent. It also, unfortunately, takes something to trip on your way to the end zone on that run. He's, he's, he's not terrible. He's not good. You need to draft and develop, and that's what bad teams in the NFL don't do. I would say that I hope you didn't draft Danny Dimes in your fantasy leagues. I don't know that you'll be going very far. Timmy, after an 11-day offseason, the PGA Tour, it's back! The 2021-22 season is officially Sorry, under... That's right. It's officially underway with the first round of the Fortinet Championship Not in Napa, California. I don't believe it's the Fortnite Championship. No. You've already won that. <laughs> Abbotsford, BC's Adam Hadwin is currently tied for second after an opening round 666. Yeah, that uh, it's back. The PGA Tour's back. Is there any more confusing offseason in pro sports than PGA Tour? It's, it's ridiculous. So an 11-day offseason is what we had in the PGA Tour. Do you know why the PGA Tour does this? I believe it's something to do with money. That would be my guess. Cash. Yeah, straight cash. Absolute, like, straight cash, homie. Call up Randy Moss because they're they're not hiding behind anything. They just gave out $14, $15 million for their tour championship. And then 11 days later, they're playing another tournament. It's unbelievable what these guys do. And what they do is just try and milk as much possible money as they possibly can. And, hey, good for them if it's out there. Speaking of unbelievable, we recently saw a Jumbotron breakup at a minor league baseball game. Last night, this message appeared on the scoreboard at the San Francisco Giants game celebrating Max's divorce. Congrats, Max. Maybe. What's the one message you wish that you could put on a Jumbotron? Happy divorce, Max. Like back in the game. Back That's in the game. I like that yeah, one. Max, he's back. Yeah. Back in the game. He's back in the game. Max, you know, he's, he, he's coming out guns a-blazing. You know he didn't had a do giant, that. No, his boys did that for him. Yeah, like that's his boys taking care of him. Yeah. What uh, do you think of that, pretty... Maxie? Sorry? What do you think of that, Maxie? You enjoy that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, listen, always appreciate you, Mickey. How do you like that, Mickey? You just said Maxie. How do you like that, Maxie? Oh. I, I like it. All right, that's it for us, and probably in the nick of time. A reminder, Yankees and Orioles is over on Sportsnet. We'll be back tomorrow, 5 Eastern. Mickey's enjoying his weekend. We'll talk to you then.